welcome to You Gotta Have Faith. What is faith? In Hebrews 11, chapter 1st verse, the Apostle Paul writes, Faith is the substance in things hoped for and evidence in things not seen. One playwright writes, it's believing you see white when your eyes tell you black. It's belief where no one else believes. Dr. King says if you don't believe in something, you'll fall for anything. This is a podcast about faith. This is a Christian podcast where we share our faith and belief in God and also in mankind, the goodness and kindness in mankind. In today's world, we see lots of ugliness based on racism, misogyny, and age-old grudges. But there's goodness in all of us. There is goodness in this world. But it begins with our belief. you got to have faith. Today is October the 12th, um, 2018, and I'm Reg Clay, and I have a very special guest. Usually I have Craig and Deb, but uh, people are busy uh, doing all sorts of stuff. This is Friday, and I have my dad, Reg Clay Sr., and my aunt, Georgia, the Reverend Georgia, um, I was going to say Georgia Davis, yes, Georgia Davis. Go ahead and speak. Hi. Hey. Hello. And I actually have my whole family here. Um, I've got my two sisters, Shantice and, um, and, and Nicole. I know, I'm stumbling. And um, I've got um, my cousins, Christy and Kirk and everybody here. Uh, Taylor, Dwayne, Kirk, right next to me. So it's like a family affair. So it's fantastic. We're going to uh, talk about gospel music and the evolution of gospel music and what gospel music means in our lives. And I'm going to base it on Psalms 100. But first, uh, let's have prayer. Um, how about we in prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for waking all of us up this wonderful Friday morning. I thank you so much for bringing um, the family together, the Clay family, the Davis family, the Foster family, um, everyone here. It's so wonderful that our family can come together and that we uplift each other and we give each other's praise and uh, encouragement for the successes that we have in life and also for um, some of the mishaps that can happen. Um, that's what family is all about. We are a prayerful family. We are a family based on faith and based on our belief in you, Jesus. We thank you so much. And we ask that everything that we say and that we do is blessed by the love of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, I'm going to base this uh, this podcast uh, episode on Psalms 100, since we're talking about gospel. And uh, I'm going to read from the King James Version. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Come into, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. So, um, well, uh, let's... How was your trip here? You know, how how is California treating you so far? <laughs> I love it. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. yeah. You can bring up the mic a little bit closer. Yeah. yeah, I love it. It's beautiful. Yeah, and it's been a long time. I remember when you had told me that when you were in the army in Fort Sam Houston, you wanted to come. Yes, I wanted to come to San Francisco. Yeah, but uh, life took me in another direction, and 
Well, I'm here now. <laughs> <laughs> On Georgia, you've been, it's been a while since you've been here. You were yes. actually in L.A., right? With the with, course with choir? With the choir to yeah. L.A., and we had a wonderful time then. I have never seen the ocean. I want to see Pacific Ocean before I leave this time. Yeah. But it is, it's beautiful. Um, the sceneries, I've never seen such hills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the hills are really something. Yeah, especially biking. I have an e-bike, and, my, you know, the hills will kill you. <laughs> I'm looking at my uh, my cousin, Christy. You know, she's a, a fitness expert, and I'm sure she wouldn't have any problems with those hills. Um, but I want to talk about gospel because, you know, our family, I remember being seven years old, and we had the Clay Family Singers. Yes. And that was something that sort of bound us, especially after the death of Daddy Clay. I don't know. We probably don't want to talk too much about that, but it, it sort of bound us, you know. Yes, it did. Mm-hmm. I think it, it in our family, because my grandfather was a preacher, mm-hmm. um, I think we have been bound by faith for a longer time than even that. Yeah. It may not be that you remember it. Of but course. I remember when we lived out in the country during the war, mm-hmm. and it was our faith that kept us strong. I didn't know. I didn't know about that. Um, tell me a little bit. Um, was that Daddy Clay's dad? No, it was Mother's dad. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he was a minister. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so, for those who don't, so gospel music, I, I was doing a little bit of Wikipedia research. Let me turn off my uh, volume here. But... Gospel music goes back to uh, the 17th century. I didn't even realize that. It goes uh, really even before America was around. And um, there was a guy named John Newman, a former slave catcher, and who became a minister of the Anglican Church. And he was an abolitionist, and he wrote Amazing Grace. Wow. Uh, And I didn't realize that. He was an English from England. And, um, And it came around. I don't know if you... Do we know about the Second Awakening? There were four awakenings in the United States, basically religious revivals that happened in America. And the Second Great Awakening is tied to the abolitionist movement, where Christians began saying, listen, not only do we have a stronger faith in God, where we don't need to depend on the preacher to tell us, we can read the Bible ourselves and have a closer connection to God, but also how can we call ourselves Christians and have slaves? How can we... It it, it just doesn't make sense, and it, it sort of gave birth to the abolitionist movement and uh, a closer, more emotional relationship with God. Um, I think that in looking back at our evolution, at our beginnings here in America, I think when you think of the slaves that came over mm-hmm. and the, the thing that kept us together were, were the songs that we sang. Yeah. Uh, that music, that humming. Was, yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, it may not have been called gospel yeah. at that time, but the sounds of the gospel music today come back from that period yes, of time. Yes, definitely come from that. Mm-hmm. So we we look at even during the slave movement yeah. when um, um, Harriet Tubman That's right. would sing such song as Oh freedom, oh freedom, oh freedom over me. Just having that song, but they'd say, hush, somebody's calling my name. Mm-hmm. And when they would start.
start singing that song, mm-hmm. the people with the slaves would come out and they would know that they're being called. So that's the beginning for us. Exactly. The, there were codes yes. that were used. Yes. The during the codes. That yeah. Were used, right? Yeah. Well, Underground yeah. Railroad. That's exactly right. Yes. And that comes right around the 1850s, uh, the right. 1860s. Mm-hmm. And um, because I had also heard that the sort of the evolution where, let's say, white slave owners would go to church and they would have their slaves outside, but the slaves would listen yes. to the songs. Yes. They wouldn't be able to read the music or, or know the words, but they could pick up from what they heard and they would embellish it. Right. And that became yeah, the gospel. Right. They put their own take uh, to it. Yeah. 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 The term gospel means good news. Yeah. So the good news of Jesus and in the in the early days of using music, even in the Bible with mm-hmm. the psalmist, yeah. the psalms, uh, the singing of those songs mm-hmm. helped to um, open people yeah. to receiving the word, to yeah. being receptive to the word. So music has always been the the universal language of all people. And so starting way back when, there were other denominations that were forming. Mm-hmm. The Catholic denomination used mm-hmm. the Psalms, yeah. and they sang the Psalms. That was their gospel music. But the way that we interpret gospel today mm-hmm. is stemming from those slavery songs, those freedom songs, those songs that opened us up to yeah. sharing the word and feeling God in yeah. our lives. And you know what's interesting? There are a lot of people who are not connected to their emotions. They, you know, they're folks who, they don't want to scream and shout. They don't want to clap or they don't want to, you know, they're more reserved. And I'm fascinated by, um, for those people who, um, I I think when you're close, I think that Christianity sort of demands that you have a close personal relationship, emotional relationship with Jesus. Yes. Have Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that there are some Christians who are a bit, I would say have a callous to their emotions. I think that music is the oil that helps people to feel more connected. It literally frees them from that mm-hmm. standoffishness. Once you start singing and feeling what what you're hearing, then it automatically tears down that, that wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You see the it doesn't matter what language it's, it's in. It universal. Right. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter who is singing it. It's just the uh, music will draw you. The music draws you inward and outward. Yeah. Okay. So that gospel music, uh, that's why a lot of churches mm-hmm. open their services with gospel music. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And it, after the um, after the slavery, you, get, you begin to see how gospel music sort of trickles into the business where, you know, like in the latter half of the 19th century, there are people who are writing sheet music. Right. And uh, we actually have, I was uh, researching, the first term, the first time the term gospel, the word was used um, by Philip Paul Bliss in 1874, where basically he was a, he was a songwriter. And I guess whether it was for a Christian purpose or just a marketing purpose, he started writing this music in order to be sold. And now we're getting to the marketing. Mm-hmm. And as we go into the early 20th century, we have people who are coming out of the church. And actually, church is using, with the event of radio, right. using gospel music to sort of spread the word. 
through the radio. Yeah. Yeah. But right. even now, mm-hmm. you're finding in the 21st century, mm-hmm. you're finding commercial ads yeah. that use the gospel songs oh, you know, as I've a seen way of drawing people's attention. People. Yeah. Right. Just to be I've seen it in ESPN. I don't know if uh, I'm talking to my cousins out there. Have you, you guys watch ESPN at all? So you, there's Scott Van Pelt, and he has like this, um, I'm not tired no more. Yeah, I don't know if you guys heard. They, they're just too shy. They don't want to talk. Anyway. <laughs> but, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, I wonder about the commercialization. Like, I think about Kirk Franklin and uh, some people who use, like, rap hip-hop. Yes, yes. That into gospel. And I don't know if there's a danger of secularizing gospel where it loses I worried, its purpose and faith. I worried about that for a good little while because uh, – because I sing yeah. and I and I love gospel music, mm-hmm. and then to get into gospel music that has rap into it, it it, it blurs the line between gospel and R and B. Yeah, uh, I didn't think that it worked, but today with today's young people, mm-hmm. if they don't hear it in the way that they understand it, which is rap and mm-hmm. all of the other, then they don't get it or don't even try to get it. So yeah. It does serve a purpose. Um, on Georgia, do you think, as, as a minister, is there a danger of secularizing the word? I think the word has a way of reaching you if there's that core, that seed of belief mm-hmm. in you. Yeah. So therefore, uh, the word in any format, God's word, mm-hmm. will reach you in any format that you presented in. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been secularizing of gospel music for a long time. Aretha Franklin oh, sure. is a prime example of yeah. how yeah. in her music you mm-hmm. can hear the depth of that gospel song, that gospel sound that draws you. Yeah. And a lot of times the, you knew the young people of today don't want to go back. They can't relate to what we as the older generation have come up with. But what they do relate to is that way. Um, it was a movie. There's a movie that we just looked at. Um, was that the one you were telling me about there? Um, what's the one about um, God Friended Me? Okay. Yeah, you did tell me about that. The movie yeah. God Friended Me. Mm-hmm. And when you see God Friended Me and you see how they're using the new technology, mm-hmm. but the music is still there. Because yeah. the music is like the glue that keeps things flowing. It's mm-hmm. like the oil that really mm-hmm. helps people to, to really connect yeah. and to understand. It's the music of the old that people can now, as they live longer, mm-hmm. they can feel what those old songs were about. So they come up with the with new renditions of that. Mm-hmm. But I think that in terms of secularizing the gospel, yeah. even in the Bible it shows that if there is someone who is preaching and talking and copying after Peter, after Paul, mm-hmm. and they are not sent by God according to us, mm-hmm. but God can speak through them mm-hmm. and still reach you. So I don't think you're going to get a problem with secularizing the gospel. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Because, you know, there are times where I wonder, there have been some gospel concerts that I've been to, and I'm like, okay, is this more entertainment, or are they really, really preaching? I'm sure, you know, Dad, you've gone to a couple of gospel shows, and yes. you wonder, yes. are they, do they really believe in God, or are they just, you know? Yes, you can, you can disguise it a lot 
But first of all, your audience knows. Your audience can feel what you're saying and doing, and automatically uh, you'll know the difference between the two. Yeah. Because the commercialization of the songs mm-hmm. automatically turn you off to what's what's being, and the ones that really mean it mm-hmm. can bring tears to the eyes. So but the, e- the difference is there. Even with the gospel singers mm-hmm. throughout the years, you can tell the difference in those that are authentic mm-hmm. and those who are singing to entertain you, or sure. singing, singing to get your attention. Yeah. Their words are, they're saying the right words, but there's no it's feeling. A hollow, no a hollowness. Yes, it's yeah. empty. Yeah. Yeah. You can really feel the difference. Yeah. You know, in the early 20th century, um, like I think about Marian Anderson, who... Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if she's a gospel singer because she was more, you know, there was the Jubilee singers, and that's something I've talked to a good friend of mine, Norman G., about. There were the Jubilee singers who were black singers, but they assimilated to white culture. And they sang in a sort of, uh, and I think about the senior choir of Metropolitan Baptist Church. I don't know if they're even still around, but they, it was a more, um, I don't even know, I think Jubilee is about the best way that I can put it, where it's very um, almost Europeanized. Singing. Ezekiel saw the wheel. Yeah. And, and that uh, sort of stuff. Uh, classical. I call it <coughs> classical gospel. Yeah. But then you have Mahalia Jackson yeah. around the same time as Marian Anderson, yeah. right. just a little bit later, who's like, no, I'm not going to secularize it. I'm going to stay true so to, to my so culture right. or to the gospel. Yeah. And you have this back and forth. Like Mahalia Jackson. Yeah. yeah. When you talk about secularizing. Yeah. Oh, and come on, come on. Bring a chair. <laughs> I'm trying to get you guys in. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. The James Cleveland singers. That's my that's my sister, Shanti's talking. <laughs> yeah, Britain, uh, go ahead and take the mic. When you talk about secularizing, though, um, secularizing, uh, uh, when you talk about gospel, you have to remember gospel means the good news. So when whatever format that you're talking in, I think that we as preachers through time, and she's talking about James Cleveland, but mm-hmm. through times we have to reach the audience. The word from the gospel transcends all generations. Mm-hmm. It transcends its past, its present, and its future. Yeah. God is ever-present. So therefore, we as people are going to make it real. That's why the gospel is real in every language that you go through, yeah. no matter where go, mm-hmm. there is still the word that tr- that carries you through. Yeah, I hear you. Go ahead, Sean. No, I was just say absolutely and Georgia. I think just a minute ago you made a great point about how if God is present you're going to feel that, right? Yeah. And to me that goes past the gospel music. That sometimes dare I say it goes inside the pulpit. When you're in God sends his energy, you feel his presence and um, you know, care what role it is through gospel music, through uh, the usher, through the people in the choir, Mm -hmm. Um, that faith just shines through regardless of what form that it takes on. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I totally hear you. I wanted to, um, just to sidetrack a little bit, because when I talk about Marian Anderson and Mahalia Jackson, and you have two singers who are singing gospel 
but they're doing it through different ways. I mean, we get into a discussion of assimilation, <coughs> which is something ever present in black culture, yes. whether it's gospel or not. Like, Very true. if I'm going to, you know, and it's one of the reasons why I wrote my play Foreman in Paris, talking about, you know, men who either assimilate to, you know, culture, you know, what the air quotes white man wants. Well, let me go ahead and, you know, do, a, you know, appease, you know, the society. Or I'm going to stay true to my culture and I don't care, you know, who. You know, we've had these debates between, like, Booker T. Washington and W.B. Du Bois, uh, who were like, well, listen, you know, if, if white folks wants us to, you know, work in the farm and, you know, we need to educate ourselves, that's what Booker T. Washington felt. W.B. Du Bois is like, listen, we've got to fight, fight, fight. I'm going to write the crisis. I'm going to write, you know, I'm going to create the NAACP. We always have to fight the system. I don't care if I have to go to jail for it. In gospel, Mahalia Jackson stays true to her culture. Marian Anderson says, well, listen, if I'm going to sing in the, I think it was Carnegie Hall, and Eleanor Roosevelt, you know, sponsored her. Um, can you guys, um, I don't know, speak about that, like just the, uh, I guess, Questions about assimilation. I mean, have you had to deal with less assimilation? It's all in what you feel. Yeah. You can't, you, you can't, <clears throat> as a singer, you can't, I can't sing a song in a particular way. I miss, I miss what I'm feeling when I'm singing the song. Yeah. So, so I have to feel what I sing. And when I feel what I sing, mm-hmm. then it comes out into, into my song. And that's when people will start to enjoy mm-hmm. the singing. So, it's really, it's really in your feeling. Yeah. It's really in your personal convictions to what you're saying. Yeah. Is there anything wrong with people who are able to, and I think that's why God made all of us different. Yeah. I think in the Bible there are times when God used certain of his prophets mm-hmm. in order for them to accomplish a goal. Yeah. There are certain prophets that he made stand out and be different. Mm-hmm. With Hosea, he told Hosea to marry a whore. Mm-hmm. With um, um, some of the others, he might have told them to go out, get into it, told Noah mm-hmm. to do a certain job. Yeah. Noah didn't want to do it because he didn't feel the people. Noah had to get in the belly of a whale, come back. God will guide you if you are that in God. If God leads us as preachers, as, as and everybody has a ministry. So if God leads us to reach people where they are mm-hmm. and that his light shine through us so that they can see and they can hear, mm-hmm. and they can understand God now, that he's present now, mm-hmm. not just the way he was in the old time. Yeah. If that's what's going on, then we're going to do what Mahalia Jackson did. Mm-hmm. We're going to do, we're going to sing and to those all, who need it. And it's all in different it. ways.
you know, artistic things. Mm -hmm. And when you see it, you might be drawn to it, Mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. But there's a tune, there's a beat, there's something going on inside of us that is equivalent. Because some of us are able to sing it Mm -hmm. more poetically, uh, express it, then that gospel music, God is still talking to us and guiding us and strengthening us. Yeah. In our own way. Yeah. Um, now we're getting into, I guess, the um, the war or you know post World War, and we have these gospel groups. These aren't the choirs, you know. Choirs are now saying, "Hey, you know, we can supplement, you know, we can bring in funds to the church if we sell our music." And now there are records being done. And after World War II, you have a proliferation of records, and we have groups like uh, the Soulsters, right? Like uh, the Dixie Hummingbirds and the Gospel. Harmonies, um, high bond boys, be the Mississippi or Alabama. That's right. <laughs> um, and you have it, and that brings into Sam Cooke, who also did gospel, but also you know did secular music at the same time. Yes. And the church members are like, "Oh no, you can't do that. That's you know you're doing the devil's work music if you do secular music." But also, he was bringing that gospel feeling into secular music, yes. just like Ray Charles. Yes. yes, and that's what he did. He did a reverse of. He did a reverse of uh, the secular thing. He he took secular music. Mm-hmm. Well, no, he took the gospel music mm-hmm. and turned it into secular yeah. music. Like I remember, um, there's a song called "Wonderful" by Sam Cooke. Right. I'm sure you know that song. Yeah. Wonderful, my darling, is wonderful. Yeah. But then he also did "Lovable." Right. Which was the same basic melody pattern. Right. Exactly. And Ray Charles did the same thing with "I Got a Woman." Yeah. Because it used to be, there was, I know a man. He took the style, mm-hmm. he took the gospel style, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and took the gospel style and turned it into rock and roll. Yeah. And that's what drew his music to the black people, or to a lot of people, for mm-hmm. that matter. Yeah. He took, the, he took the church, took the church style. Mm-hmm. And Aretha did basically the same thing. Too. Exactly. So, you know. Yeah, that was an explosion. You know, when Aretha put that on, I like to say that, you know, there's no female singer that has ever saved the same no. after Aretha Franklin. Yeah. They've yeah. all sort of emulated yeah. her, whether yeah. it be Beyonce right. or Mariah Carey or Whitney style. Houston. Right. Yeah. That's true. Um, now, in Georgia, um, you were listening, I mean, when you were, I don't know, a teenager, what was the type of music that you listened to? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't think of it. Right now. Oh, okay. That's I mean, I don't know if Mother Claire allowed you guys to, because, you know, like, usually you listen to the music that your parents listen to, and you don't, you're not even allowed to touch uh, the dial. parents didn't restrict us in terms of music. Mm-hmm. Um, we had radio, we listened to it, mm-hmm. and, you know, they allowed us to do that. Um, the church, we weren't, we weren't restricted to only church music. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to church more at, at, in my growing up. The church was more the common ground of socialization mm-hmm. for the for us, and the thing that kept us as teenagers there mm-hmm. was the singing, the the songs that we sang. Yeah, you were in the choir. I was in the youth choir. I, I was a I was a, a child, not born into the church because of 
ministry, mm-hmm. but born into the church because our parents lived close by yeah. and because that was the only socialization that we really had as a big family. There were eight of us, eight children, yeah. and we went to church functions mm-hmm. as a family. We did a lot of things as a family. Now, was this in D.C. or was this in D.C.? Okay. Now, we've always lived in D.C. Yeah. Our home in D.C. was taken over by the soldiers mm-hmm. in World War II. Oh, we I knew that. out in Maryland. See, this is the history I need to know. <laughs> that was before me. Yeah. So we moved out in Maryland. Yeah. I was like five years old. Mm-hmm. We moved out there during the war. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, but music has always been mm-hmm. um, a drawing card for us as a family. Yeah. Okay. We have an artistic ability, artistic um, strength that runs throughout the family. So daddy used his in planting and fixing up things. Mom used hers in the way she cared for us and and reached out Mm -hmm. hospitably to other people and created all kinds of dishes. Mm -hmm. Um, My sister Lulu learned how to play the piano and she did. Reggie sang. We all have artistic abilities that we... The, the thread that runs through us is giving back to others, yeah. not just for ourselves. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I was going to ask about the rock and roll rollers. I mean, did, did that hit you? Because, you know, you were around during that time when, uh, when, I don't know, Elvis exploded and all that sort of stuff. It hit us. I mean, it was there, and we jumped and moved and danced <laughs> to it, you yeah. know. But it was not the thing that sustained us. because secondary. Right. It was secondary to everything. Yeah. Like, like uh, I was in the choir when I was in 15. Yeah. And because of my singing ability, mm-hmm. I was one of the lead singers of the choir. So I stayed in the church constantly singing uh, lead songs yeah. for, for the church choir. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that kind of shaped a lot of my life mm-hmm. as a vocalist, you know. Yeah. Didn't Daddy Clay play? Guitar or banjo or something like that. Played, he I heard that he played uh, played a little guitar. Mm-hmm. I heard. I've ne- I never heard him do it. Okay. Uh, he had a harmonica. I was going to say that my mother had gave a harmonica. Him. Yes. Oh, but he didn't uh, do much I with never, it. I, ne- I never heard him play. <laughs> yeah, never heard him play. So. But Dad, when he would take us out and take me out, mm-hmm. and I was a daddy's girl, and so I would go out in the field with him. Mm-hmm. But Dad would help you to hear music in the air, sounds mm-hmm. in nature, yeah. and to recognize and to appreciate beauty in nature, mm-hmm. and would create things through nature. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it heightened our, it heightened our um, ability to, to use our gifts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did rock, I should ask you the same thing because I guess 1957, you were 10 years old, right? Yeah. 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 So did, I don't know, did, did Little Richard, you know, when you first heard him or all those guys, did that hit you? Uh, yes, it did because I like styles of music because yeah. I was getting into music as a main form of, of my expression. Mm-hmm. Uh, I listened to a lot of, a lot of, uh, Ray Charles, um, uh, Elvis, yes, because his style, a lot of white folks mimicked black singers. Yeah. Okay, so, and the ones that mimicked, that did a good job of mimicking mm-hmm. him, were things that I looked at. 
yeah. you know, because I was a budding vocalist. So mm-hmm. I listened to the different styles of of uh, Ray Charles, uh, Elvis Presley, um, Jackie Wilson, mm-hmm. you know, who was more Hispanic than anything mm-hmm. else. Uh, um, a lot of other, mm-hmm. these other styles of uh, Neville. The Neville Brothers. The Neville Brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, I listened to those different styles to see how they expressed themselves. Mm-hmm. I loved Ray Charles because he knew how to make you feel what he was saying. Yeah. You know, and that was a, those were the things that I looked for, mm-hmm. you know, to hear. So, yes, they, the different styles really did make a difference. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking because all, you know, like our foundation, we, my, it's, it's Metropolitan Baptist Church, but... What, did, was our family always involved in Metropolitan, or was there a church before Metropolitan? That no, Metropolitan is over 150 years yeah. old. It's always been Metropolitan. We grew yeah. up in Metropolitan. We grew up in Metropolitan. Yeah. Yes. And I'm sure you remember E.C. Smith, who was the pre- oh, yes. Yes. pastor before. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes, E.C. Smith has been a prominent figure in our lives for many, many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um he was the one when I was a child that I would walk up to him and touch his leg and and I would say, how do you know God is real? Really? You told him that? He said, one of these days you're going to feel him, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Wow. (laughs) And I think about just, I guess, you know, moving up to more modern whatever times, I think about the Clay family singers a lot. That's a question I was going to ask. Did Mother Clay sing at all? Mother Clay, Mother Clay sang a beautiful um, Shanna bass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and my sister Connie sings a good baritone, mm-hmm. beautiful baritone. Mm-hmm. Um, but mother, mother was one of those moms who would sing to you. Mm-hmm. As she's working, she yeah. sang to the cow, but she did poetry. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the cow, when we were on the farm during the war days, mm-hmm. mom would mom would be milking the cow, and her poetic rhythm mm-hmm. was like music. And the cow would give more milk if she talked to him and sang to him. Okay. Um, all the years that mom took care of other people's children and mm-hmm. had her own daycare program, yeah. mom would sing songs, sing these nurse, nursery rhymes. Mm-hmm. If the kids, she came in and she would um, call the kids Kirksey Worksy and all kinds of different sure. nicknames yeah. that he would, she would call. Mm-hmm. But she always in, in involved us in musical kinds of activities. Yeah, yeah. She encouraged them. She encouraged mm-hmm. me a lot on the music side. So, yeah. So. Yeah, you know, I was going to ask you that when, because there are times where you were a teenager and I think you were singing in clubs, right? Yes, like I said, I was I was pushing my vocal ability. So I'm amazed that Mother Clay would allow that to happen. She uh, didn't know all the Ninety percent of the stuff that I that I did on the R and B side was on the personal side. Okay, so you could slip out of the house and uh, yeah, during the after evening hours, you know, uh, I'd find I'd find myself at a at a nightclub, eighteen. So I'm talking about seventeen, eighteen mm-hmm. years old. Yeah. Uh, I would go to a nightclub, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, be singing a lot of a lot of uh, secular songs, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But 
that didn't that didn't stop my the gospel side of it as well. Yeah. But I'm wondering how and what because they checked in on you, like, or did they say where have you been or something like that? Uh, my evening hours were were to myself as long as I got as long as I came in at a decent hour. Okay. Eight, nine, ten o'clock at night. You know. Oh, so you can do that and still come in. Okay, got it. Yeah, now I understand. That, yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. You're all gone now. Right. A lot of times, Mom didn't even know when he came in. My sister would open that door yes. for him, and yes. she didn't yes. know that he'd been out. I had, a sister, I had a sister named Gilda who would be looking out for me oh, on a regular Gilda, basis. Man. Yeah, and Gilda loved country. I mean, she loved yes. yes. country music. Yes. Yeah. See, we all had the, we all had our own different styles yeah. of music that we were drawn to. Yeah. I was I was drawn to all of it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd like to talk what the evolution of the Clay family singers. I mean, how did that come about? Who had the idea of it? So I wish I, I wish I had a recording of it. Just killed it. <laughs> yeah. No, Georgia, <laughs> as a matter of fact. I, I think that we emerged just from enjoying hearing us each other sing yeah. in the living room and we all get together and start singing. Mm-hmm. But there was a time when I was taking some voice lessons and my sister Gilda joined us and Lulu and I even got my daughter Christy involved mm-hmm. in Which I'm going to bring Christy in. Because <laughs> I wanted to talk about her experiences with the Clay Family Singers. Because right. I'm the only ones <laughs> to do it. But, but, go ahead. but um, it, it evolved from us just having fun. Yeah. Just like here. Yeah. We broke out into a song and everybody started singing. Mm-hmm. And then, because I was in the highlight or the limelight position, I would set up programs where, you know, we yeah. could be the featured singer. And everybody seemed to enjoy it. So. And around that, time, at that same time, I had just formed a acapella gospel group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we started the clay singers even before you did. Because you exactly were always, you were always. You were still um, doing the secular stuff. I remember our audition, they were doing R&D. Right. But he was, all his life, all Reggie's life, he was a backyard, what is it, Bobby Cox, Bobby, Barbershop Quartet group. Yeah. And they would be out on the fence in the backyard, out on the alley. They would be singing Barbershop Quartet style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to play a little bit of uh, the acapella of, um, of that. So I'm going to bring uh, <laughs> Christy into it. But you and I, I think we may have been the only ones of the younger generation because, you know, we were, I think I was seven or eight or nine years old, and I think you were 12. You did more dancing. But how was that experience? I mean, how did you feel when you did it? The film was, um, oh, I got to speak louder into the mic. Huh? 
Um, sorry, y'all. I'm shy. Yeah. <laughs> this is Christy's daughter's daughter. Um, the feeling actually was, um, I guess, being that age, mm-hmm. I really didn't have the feeling. Now, yeah. being this age, I miss the singing. Yeah. So I started taking voice lessons again, like you know, from your father. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was. We started out. I was young. Me, and you both. Mm-hmm. Kirk was the next one. That's right. I forgot about that. Where's Kirk? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get Kirk in. <laughs> yeah, because um, when mom was taking voice lessons, I was taking um, piano and voice lessons, yeah. and I was dancing. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, you know, we're around it, you know, when it comes to that. Yeah. And both of us were in the choir. I think we're in the young, pe- the, uh, the young yeah, people's choir. Children's. I was in the children's choir, mm-hmm. young, young people's choir, or the youth choir, that, yeah. that it was called then. Yeah. And then um, later on, when I got older, old enough, I joined the chorus choir with Mommy and Aunt Rue and Uncle Reggie. Yeah. But, um... Well, what does gospel mean to you? I mean, how does how does it enhance your life? Or is it something that you reflect back, or is it something that's still gospel to me mm-hmm. is um, just that I get a lot of my messages through gospel music. Yeah, along with you know hearing the sermons. But when I when I'm at my lowest, yeah, I will turn on the gospel music yeah. to um, calm me. Yeah. Um, even now, the, the, a lot of the songs that I'm singing mm-hmm. um, are really gospel music. Yeah. Um, and growing up with um, the up, you know, the upbringing of the gospel music into the family, yeah. it's instilled. Yeah. You know, you, you can't forget where home is at. Yeah, and I, I sort of feel the same way. I mean, every, every time you know, I'm in California and. I'm away from a lot of it because even when I go to church here, you don't have a lot of that gospel, especially the old-time gospel feeling. It's either updated or it isn't gospel at all. It's more like, you know, like the modern sort of um, rock, you know, or folk-based or something like that. And I get the feeling of just being closer to home. It's just, it's it's like a home-cooked meal. Mm -hmm. You know, some folks fry chicken differently, but, you know, you can always tell when it's from home. And that's how I feel about gospel music. Let's bring Kirk in. Because <laughs> I want to get your experiences. Because, you know, a lot of us kids, we were sort of brought in. It was like, listen, when you're going to do this thing, and I'm, I'm like, oh, I really want to watch cartoons or something. But, you know, we're brought in. But uh, my uh, cousin Kirk, <laughs> how, how, how was the Clay Family experience, the Clay Family singing experience? Do you remember any of that? Uh, I remember it quite well. Um, <laughs> gospel music was was the basis of our music life. You know, that's where we first got introduced to a lot of the music. You know, the secular music came in there, but gospel music was always what was in our hearts and our souls. And yeah. Whatnot, you know. Yeah. And the Clay Family Singers, that was just a way of us celebrating. Yeah. You know, enjoying, you know, just enjoying being together. Yeah. You know, because um, I remember... Before the Clay Family Singers, hearing, you know, Uncle Reggie and Uncle Leon and, you know. That's right, Leon, the bass. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite song is Old Time Religion because it was Gilda and uh, Leon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, I mean, because when you, I mean, when Georgia asked you to be, I mean, were you reluctant or, you know, like I'm sure? Yeah, I was reluctant. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't want to, you know, I wasn't one to be out on stage and perform, but it was with family, so yeah. you get it. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally hear you. I wouldn't change anything about it, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have wonderful, you know, feelings. I could still picture the picture, the iconic picture that, that we took. I could go into a studio and have a picture taken. Remember, I, <laughs> I had an expression that I popped up at the last minute that I guess we couldn't change it because it would cost too money, much money or whatever. <laughs> but that's cool. Um, I guess we, you know, we're, well, I guess we can wrap it up, but I guess any last words about just you know, gospel music or you know, just um, it, it really was the t- is the tie that binds our family. When I think about our family, um, I mean, family will always be family, but I think music is the thing that sort of binds us together, that keeps us together. Nowadays, yes, mm-hmm. definitely now, yes. Can we bind it? Can we end this with a song? Oh, Old sure. time religion. Old time religion. If <laughs> we can remember it. <laughs> you want to start it? experience in the church, which have made you turn your back to God, you can still have faith. We ask that you listen to this podcast, even challenge us. We're on Facebook, SoundCloud, that's where the podcast is. You can also uh, write us directly. I have a uh, Twitter and also Instagram account. You can find me, Reg, Space Clay, and DL Carragher for Deb. And share what you feel. Don't feel alienated because we speak of what we believe. The Bible has been around for thousands of years, and even now, in the age of the internet and social media and great technology, it still has a message for all of us. You can listen to this podcast on the Apple Podcast app or on iTunes. Just open up your iTunes app, click on Store, go on the search engine on the upper right-hand side and search for it. you got to have faith and you'll find us. If you use Android, download the SoundCloud app or just go on SoundCloud.com. Search for us and you will find us. Thank you for listening and God bless. Hallelujah.